The Story in Your Head, Episode 27, Being Human, with Susan Ruth. Welcome to The Story in Your Head. I'm Ron Macklem, and today, Michelle, myself, and our guest, Susan Ruth, discuss lessons we've learned by just being human, what we would try to impart on our younger selves, and how ego plays a role in our fears and our scared self. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Michelle Masago. And I'm Ron Macklin. And today on our podcast, we have Susan Ruth with us. Hi. So Susan, you've had some very intimate and powerful conversations with your guests. How do you listen to people when you're working with them? What's your strategy or what thinking do you have when you're listening to others? I think I learned early on that it's better to not be the smartest person in the room. Not that I would ever think I am that, but I'm just saying that idea that I think one of the things people do when they get into rooms with fascinating people or or people that have had interesting stories or whatever, you immediately want to tribe with them and bond with them. And so you say, oh, I had that experience, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then you talk about yourself. So I think there's a dance of listening where it's okay to to just sit back and let somebody else be an expert or have an experience or have an opinion without needing to interject one's own. I mean, I start there and then I listen because I'm genuinely curious. So that's, that's a big help. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I've listened to a few of your podcasts, Hey Human podcasts. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about that is you were able to sort of draw out what people are thinking. So that goes into that listening piece. So any practices to do that? Because it's it's not common. I think humans are inherently shy in a lot of ways. Even the blowhards of the world, that they'll, they'll the blowhards will give you the surface stuff because they're afraid to show what's really motivating them or where their pain is or their love or whatever. And I think in general conversation, people are pretty good at the back and forth. But again, if you leave space, I'm a big fan of space. I'm a fan of space in my music, in my writing, in my podcasts. That if you sit and allow, people will be compelled to speak. Firstly, it's because people don't like space so much. It makes them uncomfortable. Silence makes people uncomfortable. And in that discomfort, combined with, I believe I'm, I don't have a lot of judgments. You know, I'm, I'm very much people can show up whoever they are, there they can be. And I'm fine with that. And so that combination, I think, draws out people. Could you say a little bit more about the, your distinction for space? Because I love the pause and the sound, like like in that space. Great. What what else is like? How do you use the word space? In which context? In in podcasting. Podcasting or art or music or whatever. How do you use the word space? Okay. Well, in in art and painting, space would be the things that aren't there but are implied. In conversation, space is to be okay with not saying something and allowing either allowing the silence to say things or allowing room for somebody to gather thoughts or feelings and then be able to say what they want to say. As far as songwriting spaces, just not browbeating people over the head with music or word, or I believe in the economy of words and songwriting. I suppose economy is a good word for it. And again, in anything, poetry and, and songwriting and any kind of art, 
what isn't being said is just as powerful as what is just like in life. We give off plenty of conversational things by not even saying a word in our body movement and our eye movement in a flick of, you know, the hair or, you know, whatever it is, we're constantly saying something when we're not saying anything. Anyone that's ever been in an argument with their loved one <laughs> knows that, <laughs> you know, so subtleties. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a little bit why we've named this the story in your head, because there's at least one at any moment in time, maybe more than that. But I'd like to follow up when you talked about things that aren't said. How do you notice those, right? Because they're not being said. So what do you do to notice them? For me personally, I'm not waiting for the person to finish so I can say what I have to say. I'm actually taking in what they're saying and how they're moving and the energy around us. I'm not just on the podcast, but just in general and with human beings. So I want to jump in the middle of that. What what does that mean, taking it in? Like, what is that? You're taking it in. What what does that mean? I could do it in an example of like when you go to eat something that you're really excited about, right? You're like, oh, this is a great bowl of ice cream or a great piece of pizza or something. And that anticipatory, like before it even hits your taste buds, right? You're smelling it, you're seeing it, you're experiencing it. And I think we do that intuitively as human beings with each other, that we take in a whole lot of a person. Our brain is capable of taking in thousands of pieces of information before a first word is even said. No, that's perfect. Thank you. I don't know how else to. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. I think it's a practice. I think the more you do it, the better at it you become. I think I've always been, I grew up in a a bit of an intense household. And I think when you grow up in a household that is like that, you learn to know people's moods before they know their moods. So maybe I got sort of an early, early warning system devices instilled in me. Are, are do you, you find it by doing this practice, it sounds like it's a practice you're working on. You can notice people's moods before they notice them on a regular basis. And then, then how do you hold your responsibility in that relationship, if you now notice they're in a mood before they get there. You mean, do I interject and say you're mad or you're this? No. Or no, what no, do you mean? No, not, not what you interject, but what is your responsibility? Like how are, what are you, what are you focused on? What are you taking care of? What are you not taking care of? What are you doing? Who are you being? I believe in the, uh, you know, fix your own mask to your face before you help others. So that's the first thing. So whenever you are interacting with another human being, I think, doing your best and nobody's perfect at it, of course, but coming to the situation grounded and knowing that most people are just fighting their own wars internally. And it has little, if nothing to do with you, you know, even if honestly, even if they're mad at you, even if you have uh, done some transgression that you are to be accountable for, for sure, you know, but it also, the reason why perhaps, unless you're just an outright asshole, the reason why it's so triggering for the other person is some experience that happened long before you ever met the person. Right. And so for me, when I am talking with anyone, I think I just, again, allow for that space and allow things to unfold as they will, because for all I know, my idea of what someone is going through, I mean, that's all filtered through me, right? That's the only way I can understand anything in the world that exists is how it's filtered through myself. And so 
I certainly leave room for people to say, I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that if they're not good at using their words, perhaps, or their first go-to is emotion, ah, you know, something like that. Then, and then maybe I would interject, say, oh, you're mad or, you you know, whatever. And then you start the conversation, but I don't know if that's answering. Well, I, I just want to like say it back to you. What I, what I made up, right. The story that's in my head from with that. And what I, what I heard was, you're responsible for, and you use the metaphor of putting on your own mask first. You're you're responsible for the stories you're creating in your head about the situation first. Before you ever go out into the world, you go, how am I going to shape this in my space? That's not exact. No, I think more more is is that whatever I'm going to interact with out in the world, that it's okay for me to be in a a place of safety when I approach that experience grounded. And that, like you said, we can create our own understanding of someone else's plight or thought process or whatever, but in reality, we never can. Once we get past that ego-driven need to, to say, oh, I get exactly what you're saying because you can't, that's, it's actually impossible because you have not had the, breadth of experience that the other person has had, and you only have your own experience. So everything is filtered through you. Everything else is filtered through them that they're experiencing. How do you ever truly say, oh, I'm going to write your story for you. It's an impossibility just as they can't for you, but you can come to it with a, I'm in the safe space. I am grounded. I'm not going to let my emotions go in totally insane. And again, nobody's perfect at this, but it's definitely a practice to work toward. That we, it's like that I am rubber, you are glue, <laughs> right? That we learned as kids. I do remember that one. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Maybe that was I am rubber, thing. you are glue. <laughs> Whatever you say will bounce back me and stick to you, which is a, a fun little rhyme to remember. We're all doing the best we can. All we have really truly is our own sense of self to carry us through. Not to say we're not empathic or understanding or loving or any of those things. You can even, you can be loving even when you're absolutely pissed at someone, right? Married people talk about that. I I love them, but I hate them right now. Yeah. I've had a few of those in the moment moments. Um, yeah. But fortunately you get past them pretty quick. Yeah. I love what you said. And what I heard in there is like, you're doing the best you can. Right. And And that's what people, I think most people do, right. They can only do their best at any one moment in time. And I listened to your podcast. One of the things that I heard you talk a lot about is being authentic, which kind of makes me think of that. So I'd be really curious how you like what is authentic to you, and how do you know somebody's authentic or you're being authentic, or what is it? Well, I think part of what you just said about people being doing the best they can is to understand that that's a sliding scale. The best you can is different than the best I can, and that's okay. Right. So that's the authenticity that to come to an understanding. And I often use the people we love to hate as a great example of that. Even those people are doing the best they can because of whatever brought them to that moment. Is it reasonable in my mind? No. You know, would I make other choices? A hundred percent. Yes. Is that an excuse to behave poorly? No. But that's them being authentic to wherever they are right, right then. I think authenticity is a funny word because we three know what that means. It's like, a again, a grounded in truth, being who you are as, as much as you can. But I also think 
that it's it's a slippery slope and even that word is an inauthentic word because who's to say what it, what authenticity is what my authenticity is is different than yours it doesn't make it any less authentic and we spend a lifetime this is also philosophical i love it <laughs> these kinds of conversations we spend a lifetime trying on different faces not only do we do that but you can be authentic and still have to wear a different face for your parents or your best friend or your lover or your teacher or you know your boss or whatever it is it's not that you're being inauthentic wearing that face it's you know that that's the face you wear for that particular interaction and i think that too comes from a place of preservation and it can be bastardized and put into shadow like anything can like everything has its counterpart no matter what you do there is a counterpart this is light this is shadow everything you do has both in my opinion and i could be wrong but that's sort of where i've come to in this crazy world that we're all desperately trying to figure out did that answer your question <laughs> yeah i think it I think it sort of starts in there and you're right i think authenticity is a funny word but it's as you say it's being enough and being yourself at the moment in time yeah some of us are barely hanging on you know and so we have to do whatever we can in order to navigate the world and that's authentic I think the word in and of itself is uh, is kind of judgy. You know what I mean? Not that you're being like that, but I'm just saying the word itself is that because it it gives the idea that there is one way to be it, to be authentic. And I just, it seems to me that everything is shades of gray, you know, sounds like a cop-out, but it's actually, it, it, it's for me, at least it, it's the best way to navigate this planet. I hold now that thanks, Susan. I hold one of the foundations and it could be completely off, but the story works for me is authentic. The the basic word there is author to author, to create, to write your own life as yourself. So creating in your own life as yourself and who you are and whatever that is in a moment that that's, that's you doing the best you can. It's a great way to put it. I love that so much. So I, I hold that as a fundamental for, it helps me when I'm dealing with myself and when I'm noticing others. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I really love to do in my practice and, and through this podcast through Hey Human has really taught me a lot is that I, I have learned and maybe, I, maybe this is gr grounded in empathy, but I, I learned along the way it's that I am every single person I've interviewed the best and the worst of every person on this planet, I am as well. And to come to that realization opens the entire universe up in my, in my opinion, because like, for example, people say, how can you interview a murderer? How can you interview somebody that's, you know, murdered so many people in cold blood? And I say, because I'm a murderer. How can you, you know, do this, that, or the other thing? Because I am that thing. I think we get into trouble when we other so hardcore people, you know, there's no way I would ever commit that atrocity. Mm, you don't know that. You don't know that. If you had to, if it meant your survival, or if you were raised up in a certain way, or if that was all you ever knew, or if hate meant love, maybe you would. Because for, for us sitting here, I, I'm under the, the assumption that love means love. But for some people, they're raised up in a culture where hate is love. 
or in an environment where hate is love, hating themselves, hating others, hating that guy over there or that girl over there for what they look like or what they've done or what they haven't done. It's tricky. Is there anything else you'd like to say around that? Uh, I am them. I love the idea and the concept of being in like, like I'm just like they are. I, I am the same as them. Right. So how do you shape that in your head and your story or, or you're thinking about that when they say things that are like just different? Are you, do you celebrate or do you, or how do you, what do you do? I don't know that it's a, I think it's automatic for me. I think I just am in the presence of a human being and know that we're the same person. If that makes sense, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but because of how I was raised or, or what I have done in my life, it's, you know, created these offshoots around me, but, and for them, they had some different experience, but we're still the same person. We breathe air, we need food and water and touch to survive. And we love and hate. We may love and hate different things. And hate is a very strong word. I would argue that you can't hate anything until you love it. If that makes sense either. <laughs> we might've needed to be stoned for this. Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm silver as a judge most of the time, but I feel like these are these existential, you know, conversations that when I talk to anyone, I just show up. I don't really think about it. I think it's just, I just show up and and I know who I am. And I also know that knowing who I am allows me to, to transmogrify at any given moment too. And that that's okay. That's the beauty of learning and curiosity, right? Just as the murderer can become me, I can become the murderer. Or we can both ascend to Christ consciousness or Buddhaism, you know, not Buddhism, but Buddhaism, you know. Got it. Yeah. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. One of the distinctions we use is called scared self. We use it a lot in our, our training and our work is that everybody has that self that's inside of them. that has mm -hmm. got fear, right? Mm -hmm. We all deal with it differently, right? Some of us use great shields, right? Some of us bully, some of us hide, some of us are funny, some of us are real intense. I don't know, so how we hide our scared self is different, but that we are afraid is the same. Mm. How do you approach fear? How do you approach your fear? It's always different. It depends on the fear. Do I get anxiety? Sure, for sure, for sure. I tend to run toward fire. I've been that way my whole life. Trying to best my own fear monster. I'm not sure. I know fear is a liar, but it doesn't, it, I'm not immune to it at all. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it just depends on what it is that I'm afraid of. Am I afraid to write this thing because what if it sucks? That's one kind of fear. I mean, it all comes down to ego. Am I afraid to talk to this person because, you know, what if they don't like me? 
or am I afraid of the conversation I just had? Because what if I said something wrong? Or am I afraid to go to this party? Because even though I'm an I'm an introverted extrovert, so even though I'm I can talk to any stranger, I'm also very shy. It's all these different kinds of they're all they're all the saber tooth tiger within. And I'm an amalgamation of all the little me's that have come to now, right? So the little girl that I have been all the way up through the teens I have been all the way up through the adults I've been, who I am now, fundamentally, truly the same because I, I sprung from the same root, but, but the branches are so different. Like I look back on my 20-year-old self and I'm, I think, well, God, if I could just whisper in her ear or my 15-year-old self who had so much self-loathing, you know? And would loved so hard everyone around her, but hated herself so very much. You know, if I could just talk to her. And I think we do. I mean, I do believe in that kind of powerful work that when you work on stuff in this moment, that it somehow goes backwards in time and helps heal who we were back then, or even maybe ancestrally. But yeah, it's it's a good question. It doesn't really have an answer from me. I don't I can wax poetic about it, but I don't know if, if it has an answer. So what would you say? I'm just curious. I said you can go back and whisper into the ear of the 15-year-old or pick whatever age you wanted. Mm-hmm. What would you say? What would have helped in the moment? Man, and you got to wonder if the 15-year-old you would listen. But I would suppose, I would say it's... it's your ego that makes you think all these things about yourself. It's not reality. You know, that, what is that? Fear is the mind killer. I quote it all the time. Frank Herbert's Dune doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's, it's so self-made. Our egos are so powerful. Now that 15 year old self had a lot of help to feel terrible about herself from family members and things like that. But I think I would try and say, Hey, it's not all about you. It's like, it's like everybody's being a dick because that's on them. It has nothing to do with you. It's so hard to remember that. Even as an adult, it's hard to remember that. I don't know if I can say bad words on the program, but you can bleep me out there. Yeah. It's just like, you're worthy of loving yourself. The, the, the biggest thing for me in everything is trying to rem- help people remember who they are. So to try and remember that 15-year-old girl and go back even further, I mean, I think it would have had, I'd have to go back to the three-year-old or the four or five-year-old and say, remember who you are. You know, you are love. You're perfect. You are a God. If I could whisper that to every child, you know, then maybe that would help us all. But it's not realistic, I guess. And until the day we die, we are in a struggle of trying to remember that those things and not and not put them in the shadow. But I mean, any narcissist is just a broken child, right? It's, they think they are God, but they've they've gone to the shadow side of that thought instead of the light side of that thought. Yep. We hold that's just a different kind of shield, right? It's the fear that yeah. they have, and their shield is narcissism. Yeah. Like that yeah. protects them, that protects those fears. But inside, they have the same fears. Absolutely. I mean, our ego is a mother. It's just a bad mojo. Mm-hmm. Shedding ego in our lifetime is, that's the goal, right? At some point, though, I mean, we had to have self-preservation to survive, but we don't have saber-toothed tigers running around anymore as uh, 
Elizabeth Gilbert would say. So, you know, how do you do it? How do either of you do it? Yes, I love the idea of thinking and, and talking back to my younger self. But what I've learned, for, at least for me, what works is, is a mantra that I say to myself quite a bit, and that I am perfectly imperfect. Hmm. Right. And that's the way life is. It's imperfect. And it's the beauty in it, because if it was perfect, it'd be really boring. So that's part of how I've learned. I wish it was younger in my life, right? Because I grew up again in a household. My dad was an engineer and worked in precision. So mm -hmm. everything needed to be perfect, right? And, and actually it doesn't. And the imperfections is what the beauty is. So that's at least a mantra for me to sort of deal with that. And each person's imperfections is also beautiful. Yeah. And, the, and the imperfection is how I define it, but I, I accept whatever it is. Yeah, that's beautiful. Ron, what about you? Thanks. My story to go back to my three, five, seven, nine, 15, 25 year old, 35 year old, is to surrender to being enough. Mm. Like to don't fight that you're enough. Bring it all in. And yes, you'll lose. And yes, you'll win. And you're enough. And those experiences are what create the space of who you are. As I've shared that story with like my kids and, and other people who would be that age. Like it's that story makes sense to me because I'm, I live through it all. Right. And sometimes they can hear it and sometimes they can't. Mm. So, so my stand is to keep saying it, <laughs> keep being in that space for them. I'd love to be able to go back to me, but then again, the journey I went through brought me here. Amen to that. And I, I wouldn't go back and change it. Mm -hmm. Pretty lucky to have gotten where I got to. Yeah, that's the conundrum, right? If you could go back and take away all the pain and suffering and sorrow from your own life, but then would you be who you are? Maybe, maybe not. It's a good question. It's hard to convince a kid that people are only treating you the way they feel about themselves and it has nothing to do with you. Again, that's that ego war, right? We, we want to think, oh, this person hates me because my hair is greasy or I have pimples or I'm wearing glasses or I have braces or, or I'm not smart enough or not cute enough or not, smart, you know, whatever it is, not tall enough, not short enough, whatever it is. But that's just how they feel about themselves. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. The second thing I would share is everyone in the world is just as scared as you are. Mm-hmm. When I was, actually, I went to a, a, a Dr. Bowen White, and I remember where I was sitting when I was 29 years of age, and he was uh, putting on a presentation as a clown, very much like a Patch Adams, but his own version of clown. And he said something into the room that said, how many of you, raise your hands, how many of you are afraid and think there's something wrong with you that you're afraid? And I was sitting in front of the room, so I kind of, you know, very sheepishly raised my hand. And I turned around and looked, and every person in that room, 150 people, had their hand up and to be able to hold that everybody's just as f afraid and scared as I am shifted my world. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if the reason why humanity is so cruel to children and animals is because they're the true innocence and, and there's something about that innocent reflected back on our own self loathing that makes us crazy and makes people act out. If that, let's just say as a speculation, that is true. What would we, what would you, cause we are speaking into the world right now. What do you say? What do you say into the world to us? Me, myself. 
what do I say to the world? Yeah. That you're worthy of love and that you are perfect. That the idea even of imperfection is perfect. That it's all perfect. I talk about this a lot on the show that I think the cruelest thing we have is is that self-loathing remembering how to love ourselves <laughs> fixing the mask to ourselves so we'll never love another until we love ourselves not truly we'll have a, a facsimile of it we'll have a, a inkling of it but i don't know if it's really possible in in my humble opinion to to actually experience love until we start with ourselves and get there thank you michelle what would you say? What do you say into the world? Yeah. So I, similar to what others, right? I love the idea and, and it was true for me. And I didn't understand the statement. You have to love yourself first to love others until I did. Mm. Right. And I'm not sure you get it until you do and, and accept and be willing to do that. And I'm like, oh, that's what it means. Right. And, and Ron, to your, I am enough or I'm perfectly imperfect and it's beautiful. Right. Yeah. My hair not, might not be right, but you know, I can change the color, but it's still me and who cares. Right. And that took me time. So I, I guess when I say to the world, it, it's okay. Right. And you're okay. And try some things. You are enough. Not everything will come out the way you expect it, but accept the outcome. And it's perfect. And just keep going and keep creating because you're the only one that can create for you. And isn't that a wonderful thing? Keep showing up. Yeah. Keep showing up. The, and it's, it's not like every day is going to be, you're going to be able to be in that space. You're not. I mean, I'm, and I, when I say you, I mean the royal you. I, mean, I have days where I'm like, ugh, I feel gross or ugh, and I can pick myself apart a thousand million ways. But I know that tomorrow it'll probably not be that way. The hardest thing about staying on this planet is remembering there's always tomorrow. <laughs> you know, there's always tomorrow. There's always another chance. And as y'all talk about the stories in our head, everyone's story is worthy and important and needs to, to be out there. We need each other. We need each other. Yes, it starts with us. Yes, but this is a symbiotic relationship, this planet. This is not the, you know, I am the only one and that's it. What I say goes, we are in, we are in communion all the time with strangers, with the people we love, the people we hate. It's all communion. Thank you. Yeah. Susan, you, you do this for a living podcasting. What questions do you have of us? Okay. Why did you start this podcast with each other? No less. Uh, let me yeah add the addendum. Michelle, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, I, I will. So it was it was pretty funny. And what I mean by that is, so I am also pretty pegged introvert, right? So like scared self. I did never in my dreams would wake up and say, you know what I want to do today? I want to start a podcast. That is my lifelong ambition. No, one there. But it was more as working with Mac and Connection and the story in your head and the message that can get out there right? To others and have guests and actually learn, right? Every guest you learn so much from and every conversation we have, we learn so much. And my, my wish or my dream is that the people that listen to this are also there. 
right? So I think that's what drives me every morning to get up and turn on all the cameras and lights and say, take a deep breath and like, I can do this. And here we are. I'm glad you do it. So am I, Michelle. Thank you. For me, I think it started with a journey of writing my own thinking, like to put it out there for the world to see. And that was like the first step of putting myself out. I probably would be more along the lines of a poster child for introvertness. And (laughs) like, and not only on top of that, I'd say shy as well. And as I started to write, started to create a business that was not working for somebody else, but creating my own business, my own space about what I cared about and what I wanted to produce in the world and the continual hounding of people from others to say, Oh, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You know, and podcast was one of those things that keep coming up. And then I started listening to podcasts to understand like what, what you could do with it. And that's when I started to come up with the idea that this is a place for us to show the world that everybody's afraid and they still take action and you can connect to them and they're amazing. And all of our guests and all of our topics are oriented around. We all have those stories in our head. Sometimes we make them up because we want to, and sometimes we make them up and we didn't want to, but we still made them up and they're still ours. And then how can we like make it okay that it's there and still create the world we want, be authentic and vulnerable. Yeah. So that's why we started the podcast. It's a beautiful reason. I love it. Thanks. And yeah, I mean, in all of our foibles, we need to hear that other people have foibles too. That's what I'm talking about with the communion. Like we need each other desperately. We're all walking each other home, as that famous line says. Isn't it great talking to people? You learn so much about yourself when you talk to another person. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's incredible. It is. On top of all the cool things that they do or whatever that you had no idea about, which is also cool and fun. You know what I... I go back to the statement you said earlier about we are each other and I become you and you become me. And when we get to have this conversation, there's a part of you and Michelle from this conversation that will stay with me and be in my head as a story in my head. Yeah. And wherever I go, there you are. That's right. I believe that when you connect with someone, no matter how little or how grand that they are all that, that, that has changed you in every way. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And, and I look at anticipation of who I'm going to meet next. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Is there anything you'd like to share with our audience? Just, you know, check out Hey Human Podcast. If you're into human-driven podcasts, and which if you're listening to this one, clearly you are, go to my websites, check me out, susanruth.com or heyhumanpodcast.com see all the different things I do. And if you're into music, uh, my album is called All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. And that's in all the places you can get music. Great. Susan, thank you for, for taking the time to create with us today. Thank you. It's been my honor. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I These are my favorite kind of conversations, these existential philosophical combos are the best. So yeah. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. 
Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.